Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me coming to you live, live to tape from Scott McNulty Studios. Pew, 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 pew. No, I'm not going to dub in the real sound effect. My mouth works just fine, which is what I tell your dad uh, when I'm too gassy to fuck because not everyone likes their balls farted on. Am I right, ladies? Am I right? Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm very excited to be here on the main feed of Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality. Uh, a lot of you who are Patreon subscribers or who follow Decency with DeLorean, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, all that shit, uh, know that... I moved, my dog died, shit's been popping off in my life, so I apologize. Um, And uh, if you want to keep up with my personal life, subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sex, drugs, and spirituality. It's a dollar a month. You get exclusive content. Um, You get your Rob Love Raw, your Scott McNulty Uncensored, and most importantly, you get the Decency with DeLorean pre-releases because... I post those a couple times a month, and then I would say every four months on a holiday, I take a big fat content dump on your chests by releasing them to the uh, main feed for free. But if you want to keep up with my life in real time, patreon.com slash sex, drugs, and spirituality. I have two new decency with DeLoreans. The DeLoreans. Sorry, I like to pronounce my name like I'm speaking while eating pussy. Um, I have two new decency with DeLoreans coming up soon with some hot, hot details about my personal life. Uh, so anyways, um, I am, as always, pledging to be better with the main feed uploads, but like... <sighs> Moving and dealing with death, et cetera, et cetera, um, it, it took priority for a minute. And uh, I, was, I was gone for a minute. Now I'm back with the jump off. Anyways, this episode is brought to you by Hanes 100% Cotton Granny Panties. Let that kitten breathe. If you follow me on social media, you know that I have a sweet, sweet Pilates bod. And you know what powers me through my workouts? Hanes, 100% cotton, granny panties. I don't know what the trophy wives are doing in those tight as fuck, thick ass Lululemons because their cats can't breathe and I can't live my life like that. Give me a big old pair of sweatpants, some nice cotton granny panties, and I'm cruising. And you know what? I haven't had a yeast infection for fucking ever. And that is so exciting because... Uh, I am prone to the yeasty beasties, and you know what uh, gets them into full force? Smothering your kittens. So get those 100% cotton granny panties. Liberate yourself. Win the war against the yeast. Anyways, um, this episode is also brought to you by Diet A&W Root Beer. Diet A&W, because dicks don't burp on themselves. This is where I would normally open a can and take a sip and you would hear all that fun, hot, poppin' fizzy action, but um, I didn't bring one to the Scott McNulty Studios. I forgot. So I'm drinking um, Stoke brand cold brew out of a wine glass. 
uh, that says this glass was stolen from Page Springs Cellar. Um, and I'm going to be honest, there's a bottle of wine in Scott's fridge. I was tempted to drink it, but seeing as how I don't drink and it's 11 a.m. and I have to go to work, I chose to put coffee in the wine glass instead. Life is about balance and true virtue is the practice of self-restraint. Let me take a sip of this coffee. All right, I got all the business out of the way. And now it's time to get into the episode. What are we talking about? We're talking about lube. We're talking about a little slip for your slide, a little smooth for your luge. That's an Olympic sport. (laughs) Okay, so lube. I wanted to give you the history of lube. I thought this was interesting because I pretty much assume people have been using lube since forever because people have been fucking. And I bet, honestly, when they used to die by 30 and there wasn't shit else to do but farm and procreate, that they fucked even more. Um, And I was right. So lube has, and we're talking about sexual lubricant, uh, sexual lubricant has been around for thousands of years. Um, in six, around 600 BC in Japan, Korea, and China, they used carrageenan, which is a sticky liquid extracted from red seaweed. It's used as a thickening agent in some foods. And I've seen this on labels because you know I read my fucking labels. Um, Because it's water-soluble, it's viscous, it's slippery, it made for an efficient lubricant, and it's still used in some lubricants today. And I looked up a bunch of brands on the market, and I found that, yes, that that was correct. Um, Recently, researchers have learned that carrageenan-based gels might help prevent the transmission of HPV, including the strains that cause cervical cancer, so that is super exciting. Also, I would encourage everyone, if possible, to get the HPV vaccine. Uh, Right now, I believe we have, it started out with Gardasil 4, now it's Gardasil 9, which protects you against nine strains that cause warts and cancer. And um, they say, oh, we won't give this to you past the age of like 25 or whatever, because they assume at that point you have already been exposed to HPV. Um, but if you get your doctor to write you a prescription for it, your insurance should cover it, uh, which is what I was fortunate enough to do. Uh, gosh, I'm old. Almost seven years ago, I told my doctor I wanted it and he's like, you'll probably have to pay for it. And it's $150 a shot. There are three shots and you know me, like I'll go to bed hungry in exchange for like, you know, uh, taking care of my body or whatever. Not that like hungers, whatever, whatever. So I was like, yeah, I'll fucking pay that. I'm broke as shit. I'll fucking pay $150 a shot. Um, and then it turned out my insurance because I had a prescription written for it. My insurance covered it as if it were a prescription drug and it was free and it was fucking awesome. And it made me feel very confident because as I always say, you get pap smears, done on your cervix but you don't get them done in your throat and like you do get HPV in your throat from oral sex um and we all remember the great controversy of when Michael Douglas said that the type of uh, oral cancer he got was from oral sex and then everyone was like ew Catherine Zeta-Jones has HPV and he was like bro I was just trying to draw attention to something which is that you can get 
oral or anal cancers from HPV, but we don't get pap smears on our booty holes or our throats. And so let's just like edge, let's hedge our bets. Let's put the odds in our favor, get a fucking HPV vaccine if you can. If you have insurance, make them pay for that shit Um, because we want to be sucking and fucking, don't we? We do. Okay. Um, uh, okay, so carrageenan gels from red seaweed, 600 BC in the, uh, Japan, Korea, and China. 350 BC, uh, we have record of ancient Greeks and Romans using olive oil, and it's possibly linked to um, their acceptance and openness to homosexual sex because, as we know, the booty is not self-lubricating, so you kind of want to have a lube for that. And spit does not count because that shit dries up and you can't get it deep enough in the booty hole to have a full slip and slide effect. You'll cause some ripping and tearing. You, you know, you'll be sore. You'll have anal fissures, whatever. Lube up that booty hole. And the Greeks and Romans knew that. So they used olive oil. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and this is a reminder, like, because people still use olive oil as a lube, and it's fine or whatever. We'll get to it later. Just don't use oil-based lubes with latex condoms because oils break down latex. Um, funny fact, 350 BC is also around the same time that the dildo became popular. Uh, <laughs> uh uh, so since like the dawn of time, people love fashioning things to shove in their holes. Um, ancient Greek dildos were made out of padded leather. And yes, they were anointed with oil, olive oil. Um, all right, we're going to take a jump forward in time. Uh, in the 1600s, animal intestine condoms became popular in China and Japan. Uh, the Chinese used vegetable oils. Uh, Japanese used a substance made from grated and mashed yams, and it was called Tororo Jiro, and they used it for sex and masturbation. But today, Tororo, if I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, dudes. Uh, today, Tororo Jiro is best known as a popular Japanese soup. Can you believe it? I can't. Um, no, I can because I read it in several sources. And I looked up a soup recipe and it's like yam and miso and you pour it over rice. Um, apparently on a, an episode of the Netflix series Grace and Frankie, there was a plot point where one of the broads was making a all-natural organic yam lubricant. Um, and so that came up in a lot of the articles like, haha, isn't it funny? Modern day, still referencing ancient times. And then I was like, isn't yam supposed to be like used in progesterone creams to help um, ease the effects of menopause? Because I always see like yam estrogen supplements. And I remember in Sex in the City 2, which I've only seen once because it's atrocious, um, Kim Cattrall, like the airport lost her luggage that had all her menopause creams and shit in it. So she was like eating a bunch of yams or rubbing them on her. And so I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yam, progesterone, whatever. Well, it turns out there's no actual progesterone in yams and, uh, those creams don't work. Uh, let's see. Okay. Also during, um, this period, and they call it Japan's Edo period, Edo, Edo, uh, and which is from 1603 to 1868. So this is when they're using their Torojiro, 
they also used clove oil uh, as a lubricant, and it's still used as an ingredient in today's more modern versions of lube. And um, it's interesting because clove oil is a strong essential oil. I looked up what an essential oil is. Uh, they are antiseptic substances derived from plants, I think is what the definition was. Um, but clo clove oil, not only is this, it a strong essential oil, it can burn. Um, and so it's like, whoa, wait, what? You're using this shit for lube? But apparently it's good for anal because it has pain-killing and muscle-relaxing properties. I myself would just recommend using poppers, but what do I know? I'm not a physician. I'm a podcaster drinking coffee out of a wine glass. Um, sorry, guys. I think I might have to burp despite not having had any diet A&W. Um, okay, fun fact, the Japanese were just as tolerant of anal sex and male homosexuality as the ancient Greeks. Um, okay, 1700s, the earliest documented references to saliva as a personal lubricant were penned in an 18th century compendium of Chinese jokes. I read them. They were funny if you take into account the time. All right, 1800s, uh, Robert Chesabra, Cheeseboro is how I read it, but I think it's Chesabra. Uh, he patented the first petroleum jelly, a petrol byproduct that he called Vaseline in 1872. Um, and so we got Vaseline, it's 1872. And it wasn't intended for sex, but it became a popular lube uh by the mid-1900s because it's a thick compound with waterproof properties. In the late 19th century, chemist Frederick Kipping pioneered the study of a polymer that revolutionized many manufacturing industries, and he made one of the largest scientific contributions to modern lubricants. He called this polymer silicone. hey we all recognize silicone as a popular lubricant ingredient. I think I have to burp, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. My digestion. Oh. I hope this sounds okay on this, by the way. I'm, like, in a different studio using a different recording setup, and I, I should stop apologizing, but whatever. <clears throat> the 1900s, the first commercial production of lube came in 1904 when KY jelly was sold as a quote-unquote surgical aid. Consumers quickly discovered its usefulness in the bedroom because like let's be real like shit goes on the market and people are like can I fuck it? Can I suck it? Can I fuck it? Can I put it in me? Um, and uh, so people are like hey this surgical aid really good for fucking and by 1917 ky jelly was introduced and specifically marketed as a perfect personal lubricant but it remained available by prescription only until 1980 can you fucking imagine hold on i gotta drink some water can you fucking imagine having to ask your doctor for a prescription for lube and like ostensibly the reason you would need a prescription is because like there's something because like okay because heterosexual sex is obviously the only sex that people are having. And then it's like, 
oh, uh, the you, there's something medically wrong with you if you need a lube to have heterosexual sex. Like you're fucking old or uh, and things have dried up or your husband's ugly or he isn't into foreplay. And I'm pretty sure um, it's the latter. It's always like, sorry, dude, I'm burping. It's gross. Uh, it's, it's always like, oh, what's wrong with you? Why can't you get wet? And it's like, well, you know, you could kiss me. You could hold me. You could caress my titties. You could play with my, uh, labes, my clits, my hole. You get up in it. You could, let's say, be nice to me and hold me and make me feel safe so I feel comfortable becoming aroused. Cause women's sexual response is slower than the male sexual response and why is this like why does it take us longer to get warmed up to the idea of sex mentally and physically and it is because for us this is evolutionary biology right here and I've learned it from many scientists who've been on the here we are podcast because for women Sex involves the risk of pregnancy, which involves then for nine months being more vulnerable because we're pregnant, it's harder for us to flee and fight off enemies, and we have to raise this child, which is better if it has two parents because human offspring require a large and a long time span of parental investment to get them into adulthood where they can safely function, which is why the bonding chemicals between male and females last about seven years, aka the seven-year itch, because biology wants us to bond together for at least seven years to get this motherfucker old enough to not fucking die if we leave it in a room alone. That's actually what it is. And so the female sexual response, it takes a little bit longer for us to get warmed up to sex and dudes will be like, oh, I'm boner, why aren't you wet? I'm hard, so clearly you should also be ready to fuck in an instant. And it's like, uh, no. And I had a partner like this and it was a fucking problem because I would end up having panic attacks because it would just be this giant boner coming at me and I'm like not anywhere in the ballpark of aroused and it just would be like, I don't know, like my body would tense up and I would be frightened because particularly with my endometriosis and sex being painful, like I need, number one, I need to feel safe and comfortable with my partner. Number two, I need foreplay to get aroused. And number three, I need to start slow because it fucking, it used to like be like, I used to not be able to take a dick and it was a problem. But anyways, oh, I'm hard. And it's like, yeah, women aren't just like wet holes walking around waiting for you. And just because you're good looking doesn't mean I'm like wet just being in your presence. Like, please, have you heard of foreplay? Do you want to touch my tits? Please? They're all right. I mean, they're not spectacular, but they're good. All right. Well, whatever. Anyways, so <laughs> um, so KY was introduced and marketed as a personal lubricant available by prescription only until 1980. In 1911, <laughs> in 1911, Crisco was the first hydrogenated oil widely available, and it quickly gained popularity for those who wanted an alternative to liquid oils due to its thickness and viscosity. More on that later. Okay. 
In the 1970s, a popular women's health and sexuality book titled Our Bodies, Ourselves. Um, I owned a copy of this. I got one when I was like 15 because they make reissues and pre-internet because I am an old. This was a great reference to learn about women's health and sexuality. Uh, the book is called Our Bodies, Ourselves. Um, and in the 1970s, in the first edition, it made mention of personal lubricant in the book. And so um, by 1975, there were mail order catalogs with personal lubricant. Um, and it was like small quantities. It was still like not widespread, but people knew about this. So perhaps instead of having to go to your doctor and be like, uh, I need lube because my husband doesn't know how, how foreplay works. You could just order a prescription to slick up your downstairs. Uh, what? Okay. By the end of the 80s, lubricant became available in some drugstores in America and Europe. It didn't break into mainstream culture until the 1990s. And this is what's weird to me because I think I always knew about lube. But I was born in 84. So in my consciousness, I guess this it makes sense. Um, so in the 1990s, it gained popularity. Uh, cream lubricant became a thing in the early to mid-90s as an alternative to uh, to water-based lubricant, cream lubes were uh, able to avoid the slicky or tacky feeling of water-based lubes, which was the primary complaint for those products. Um, 1997, the first lubricant commercial uh, aired on television. It was for KY Jelly. Um, let's see. By the 2000s, many various uh, lubricants and brands uh, were created, and there were like a there's just like a multitude of options. Specifically, lubricants became um, a thing during this decade, and they offered warming, tingling, desensitizing, flavoring, cooling. Um, as the availability of lube began to shift, so did the attitudes towards the use of the product. In the 2000s, the first people even began speaking about the product. Wait, what? how did I write this? This makes no sense. Anyways, in the 2000s, people were talking about lube openly because it was like, yeah, it's whatever. Use lube. It, it can make sex better. It can be fun. It can mix things up. Um, and so, like, what are the reasons that people might need lube? Age. Like, with aging, if you're having – and we're talking about vaginal sex right now. When you're aging, your your vagina, it, the skin thins, and um, so it becomes more sensitive. Uh, it creates less natural moisture. Um, hormones, depending. I, I don't know how the pill affects lubrication. In my experience, the last time I was on hormonal birth control, my vagina was so fucking dry. It hurt to walk. It was, I was miserable. I was like, my pussy is so dry, it hurts to walk. And um, I was talking to my mom about it, and she's like, yeah, that's what menopause is like. And I was like, fuck this. Fuck this. My vagina was so dry the last time I was on hormonal birth control that I, I practically had to spit on tampons to get them in. And you're thinking, oh, well, you're bleeding. You should be able to slide them right in. But like the vaginal walls were so dry, it was like a struggle bus to get a fucking tampon in because it was terrible. I never want my pussy to be that dry ever fucking again, which is why I understand hormonal replacement therapy. Um, anyways, um, so medications, some medications can dry out your puss, um, loss of fatty tissue, 
uh, which creates thinner tissue around vaginal skin. Um, and so what it's called when the v- vagina atrophies around menopause is called atrophic vaginitis. And um, it can cause pain during sexual intercourse. Uh, but this, this is a quote I took out of an article. However, staying, and this is an aside, this has nothing to do with lube. However, staying sexually active enhances blood circulation in the vagina and stimulates natural moisture. Sexual activity has no effect on estrogen levels, but by improving blood circulation, it keeps your sexual organs healthier for longer. Allowing time to become sexually aroused can make sexual intercourse more comfortable. Obvi. So what I took away from this was use it or lose it, baby. Um, Getting fucked helps keep your vagina healthier for longer because you're drawing blood flow to the area. Um, It's also good for issues like pelvic congestion syndrome. Um, Fucking, well, listen. Getting fucked really helps me uh, with my issues in recovery from endometriosis and my surgery because... Um, all my pelvic organs were stuck together with scar tissue and, uh, it was really painful and I had those adhesions removed, um, just to overshare, just to overshare internally, like my vaginal canal and then my rectum were stuck together because in what is called the pelvic cul-de-sac, it was full of endo, which created adhesions, which bound them together, which made my pussy and my butthole hurt all the time. And, um... Getting fucked has helped massage that area as I recover from surgery and it draws blood flow to the area and helps healing. So get fucked or fuck yourself. Get a vibrator. Come. Bust the nut. You know what I mean? Get a leather-bound dildo anointed with olive oil and shove it in you uh, because it is highly therapeutic. And I know it's really hard. I will try not to cry in the way that I cry every time I talk about endometriosis. I know that it is really hard when you are suffering from a sexual, a disease that affects your sexual organs. You become detached and avoidant of your sexuality because rather than a place of pleasure, it becomes a place of pain and it's very hard to navigate um, because if you're if your sexual organs are always in pain and um, having maybe sex with a partner who just like jackhammers you, uh, it makes it worse. Like it's hard to be like, wait, I need to play with myself. I need to do these things. Um, And what I learned is after my surgery, when I had to go to pelvic physical therapy, pelvic floor physical therapy, because my pussy was too tight and uh, my Kegels were too tight and all my pelvic floor muscles were like in spasm. And basically I was kind of paying someone to finger me. Like she, she would put her fingers in and like move my leg about to like find my trigger points and stuff to like work out these muscles and massage the areas I'd had surgery on. So I didn't get scar tissue. But anyways, what I learned from this experience is that you need to play with your pussy, or at least I do. Um, and I needed to reconnect to my sexuality and get my pussy massaged and all that because it's been very therapeutic. And if I go too long without having sex, um, 
and by that I mean 24 hours, um, I, I develop more pain. Um, anyways, get up in your puss. Use it or lose it, baby. Help keep your sexual organs healthy throughout the aging process by fucking. Okay. So now we get to the part where I talk about specific types of lube because, um, what you call it, I learned some shit. I learned some fucking shit. I, hold on. Sorry, guys. I'm like distracted because I have to change something on my recording setting. Um, and I don't know if it's going to let me do it while recording. And it's not. And it might cause a problem for us. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, um, okay. Hopefully that doesn't cause a problem. Sorry, bro. Sorry. Okay, so I had always advocated the use of coconut oil as a sexual lubricant because I was like, yeah, it's good for your microbiome of your pussy and it's antifungal and all this stuff. But apparently coconut oil may increase the risk of vaginal infections. Um, And this is because coconut oil has a high pH, making it alkaline when the normal pH of the vagina is acidic. And so these properties disrupt the natural pH balance of your vagina and it can cause yeast infections or uh, other vaginal yeast infections. Other vaginal infections. Um, So it's uh, the one article I read said if you're prone to yeast infections, you may want to stay away from coconut oil as a lube. Um, Hold on. I think. Okay. Is it still working? Fuck. Fuck. Okay. No. Okay. For now it is. Um, Okay. Uh, So a healthy vagina should have the pH of 3.5 to 4.5 and coconut oil has a pH of 7.8. So you see what I mean? It uh, might create this basic environment in which yeast can uh, thrive. However, in other articles I found, so this lady is a Florida-based OBGYN named Jennifer Landa, MD, and she's the chief medical officer at Body Logic MD. Uh, she was interviewed by Health Magazine about this, and she says, one of my favorite natural lubricants is extra virgin coconut oil. It's moisturizing, lubricating, and it doesn't ball up like a bunch of lubes you can buy. Um, other sites herald coconut oil because of its antimicrobial properties, and some say that it's bad because those antimicrobial properties kill good bacteria as well as bad. So I don't know. I mean... I, for fucking years, even on this podcast, was like, yeah, I use coconut oil, and now I don't know. But, um, okay, so oil-based lubes are also known for higher rates of infection, um, such as bacterial vaginosis, uh, and one article was like, and your expensive sheets may be another reason to stay away from oil-based lubes. Oil tends to stain sheets and clothing, but also can be difficult to clean up. Who's cleaning up after sex? Just revel in it, man. I'm like the type of person where I'm like, I ask to sleep in the wet spot. Like, I'm nasty. I'm sorry. But if I want to be with you, I'm all about those juices. I don't give a fuck. Okay. Uh, One study published in the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology uh, found that women who had used petroleum jelly as lube were more than twice as likely to have bacterial vaginosis. Yuck. Okay, let's just come right out and say it. Vaseline's not a good lube. It's hard to fucking clean up. It's going to linger. It's going to clog your pussy pores. 
I don't know. First of all, I live in fear of having clogged pussy pores. Have you ever looked up Bartholin cysts? Have you ever been on a Reddit thread for people who have had Bartholin cysts? It's fucking horrific. It's a gland in your pussy hole that some people, it gets like clogged and they get these cysts in their pussy hole. Anyways, you guys, I spent a lot of the time, I spent a lot of time on the internet reading weird shit. Um, okay. Uh, another study published in the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology found a link between the intravaginal use of baby oil and candida growth in the vagina, which can lead to a yeast infection. And this is the point at which in my notes, I just wrote Hugh Hefner in all caps, because several women who've written books about their time at the Playboy Mansion have mentioned that baby oil was Hugh Hefner's preferred lubricant. And you know that geezer had to use lube because none of these bitches really wanted to fuck him. They just wanted a career. And um, and they would say like, yeah, and then I had chronic yeast infections from using baby oil lube because that's what Hugh likes. Ugh. The idea of catering sexually to a man is so fucking gross to me. And I just like... So gross. Anyways, um, let's see. Another quote from some article I read. I read many. Mineral and suntan oils have not been specifically designed as lubricants, and your body may actually absorb them. The problem is that they can make genital tissues more dry, the opposite of the intended effect, which means you're more likely to tear. Plus, research published in the journal contraception, uh, found that latex condoms exposed to mineral oil caused a 90% decrease in the strength of the condom after just 60 seconds. And like, first of all, mineral and suntan oils, yuck, don't put it in your pussy hole. Number two, we already established, don't use oil-based lubes with condoms because they're going to fucking fall apart. Um, okay, here's a popular lube. Wish I didn't read about this, but I did for you. Butter. Some people like to use butter. Uh, it contains the casein proteins from milk, which can become prancid pretty quickly. Um, experimentation in the bedroom is a lot of fun, yet as a general rule, you want to keep rotting animal proteins away from your genitals. Um, I have found on other forums they recommend ghee, which is like a type of clarified butter because it doesn't go rancid as quickly. I believe they, the process of making ghee takes the casein out of the milk and it's like drawn butter. I don't know, bro. Keep that shit for your lobster. Like put that shit on your crab legs. Don't put it in your woohoo. Um, okay. I need to make a soundboard that's just like sound, you know, my sound effects that are like pew, 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 pew or my woohoo. Um, all right. Uh, Crisco. Now I want to tell you, first of all, Crisco, I have known for a long time is popular as a butt lube. Um, however, I always thought, and I learned this from the, um, well, it was a Jezebel thing. Now it's an independent thing, uh, with Rich Jwozniak and Tracy Egan Morrissey. They have a show called Pot Psychology, and they used to get stoned. They're both journalists, and they used to get stoned. And Well, they still do, except for now it's behind a paywall, so I don't watch that shit. They get stoned, they give advice or whatever. And they had said that, and maybe they read this somewhere at the time, and it's since been disproven, but they were like, don't use Crisco as an anal lube because all that like cholesterol is absorbed right into your bloodstream through your butt. And it made sense to me because I was like, yeah, you put drugs in your butt, they absorb really fast. 
So probably the same thing for cholesterol from Crisco, but it turns out it's not bad for you because the fat doesn't absorb into your bloodstream that way because fat requires bile to break it down. So like it needs to go through your digestive tract um, and you stop absorbing fat in the small intestine and uh, your booty hole, you got, it's your large intestine down there. Okay. And so Crisco turns out is a really safe boy butter lube. Um, and it can be frozen into ball or rod shapes. I'm, I'm teaching you now. We're learning together. You can freeze the Crisco, which is kind of solid at room temperature. You shape it into a rod. You freeze it. And then before sex, you shove that rod or the balls up your butt and your body will naturally melt it. But then you'll get lube further into your booty. Because like if you just put it around the outside and it kind of gets pushed in with the dick, like it's not you're not going to have lube all the way through. And so you might have some ripping in the tarin. But if you get a Crisco rod up there, you get deeper lubrication. Um, and it's long lasting, um, formula. It stays slippery for ages. Uh, and it's not water-based, so it doesn't dry out. So you're not leaving the body prone to small cuts and tears. Um, another reason Crisco is popular is because, um, the shape of the tub, like it comes in a tub and so you can just dip your whole hand in it. And you can just really like scoop it up. And um, it's popular for anal fisting for that reason because you just get your fist in the tub and then you get it up in the butt. Um, Okay, silicone-based lubes. Hey-o. These are kind of the gold standard except for that you can't use them with toys, I believe, because they can degrade like the cyber skin, the sort of like latex of toys. Uh, you have to use water-based lube with toys because um, you could degrade them. Uh, but uh, silicone is hypoallergenic, so most people won't experience a reaction to it, and it lasts a long time. Um, so silicone-based lubes are pretty good. Uh, let's see. Here's some bad ingredients to avoid. Anything with glycerin in it. Okay, don't go to Spencer's Gifts and buy some wet brand flavored lube. Don't fucking do it because there's glycerin in that shit and it's going to give you a yeast infection. And I always say as a gold standard rule, don't put anything with flavor on your fucking vagina because even artificial sweeteners I have read can feed yeast because they think that they're sugar and they're like nom, 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 nom. Uh, so nothing with flavor on the fucking puss and I'm gonna be real I don't even understand why you would put a flavored lube on a dick because I like the way dick tastes like I'm not sucking dick because I crave a lollipop I'm sucking dick because I crave a dick I want to taste that sweet sweet daddy dick I want it all in my mouth I want it up in my throat I want to lick it like a lollipop and I want to taste that dick I'm not trying to mi- I just don't mix food with sex in general because they're like almost opposing things like they're equal they're separate. They, they please me equally. And as I always say, you can tell how much I'm getting laid by my weight because I eat, if I'm not getting laid, I eat my sex drive. Like that's what brings me pleasure in my mouth hole. If I am getting laid, I eat less because I've already had satisfaction in my hole. Um, and I mean, to be honest with you, sometimes I might not eat just so that I can get laid because 
I can't believe I haven't had to stop recording to shit today, but I have been having some straight up domestic disturbances the past four days. And it's a fucking problem. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier that not everyone likes their balls farted on. And even more so, they don't want their balls shit on. Even more so, I don't want to shit on someone's balls, let alone on my own turf, in my own bed where I have to do the laundry, let alone I don't have an in-unit washer dryer. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Where What I'm going through right now, <laughs> if I wanted to get laid, I shouldn't because... <sighs> Like I had three days of tummy ache problems and it started to feel better. And then you know what I did? I ate Chipotle. And I didn't say put the hot sauce on the side. I just said put it on top. And my mouth was on fucking fire. And now my whole fucking colon is on fucking fire. And if I were to fuck, I might shit on someone's balls. Or their stomach if I was doing reverse cowgirl. It totally depends. Or I might just, if I was, let's say I was on my stomach and they were fucking me from behind, it might be a duty fountain. It might be like a, a, like a wishing well mall fountain of duty. <sighs> Why am I so gross? Why am I so gross? Because I am. Because we're all gross. Okay, so glycerin, it's a, uh, it's a humectant, meaning it helps retain moisture, but it's a metabolic byproduct of sugar, which can serve as food for microbes, and it can cause yeast infections. Another bad ingredient is nanoxinol 9, and this is also known as spermicide. It kills not just sperm, but good and bad bacteria, and it can lead to bacterial vaginosis, inflammation, and irritation. I'm sure at some point in the past several years, I've talked about the time I tried to use the contraceptive sponge and I, it burnt my vagina to shit. Um, so in case you don't watch Seinfeld, the contraceptive sponge is a product that is literally like a little sponge soaked in nanoxinol 9, aka spermicide. And what you do is you push it up against the cervix. And so any sperm that gets near the cervix, it's killed. And then you can fuck without condoms. And I thought this would be fun for me to try as someone who is, you know, wants to fully understand the spectrum of safe sex. I gave it a go. Picture it. The year was 2013. <laughs> Anyways, I got the worst yeast infection I have ever fucking had. It was insane. I thought that my pussy was going to rot and fall out of my body. It was the most, oh my God, it was fucking terrible. And then I went to urgent care and I was like, uh, I think I'm dying. I think I have a UTI and a yeast infection and I think my pussy's rotting. And I know like I'm with a partner and we've both been tested, but like clearly this is some sort of epic crotch rot disease and I'm dying. And they were like, uh, no, ma'am, you, it's just a yeast infection. It is a bad one. Here's some Diflucan, get some Monistat, fucking whatever. But I feel like my vagina was not right for like at least a month afterwards. It was so unpleasant. And that's when I learned that spermicide, not for me. Not for fucking me. They used to always like make condoms with nanoxinol 9 on them. And it would be like spermicidal lubricant. And then they found out that it actually made the condoms more likely to break. And it was a problem. Okay, another lubricant ingredient to avoid is parabens. 
And we all know about parabens because cosmetics will mark it as being like without parabens or paraben-free. Parabens are endocrine disruptors. They mimic estrogen in the body. Um, Allegedly, they have found parabens in breast and uh, ovarian and uterine cancers. There is no solid evidence yet. So there's not like people say this like this is like a fact and it's common that we know for sure that parabens cause these diseases. We do not. It has yet to be proven. One day I will get Dr. Jen Gunter on the show, author of the uh, Vagina Bible and the uh, Menopause Manifesto. She's my favorite fucking celebrity gynecologist. She's a great Twitter follow. She's on TikTok now. Um, But anyways, I would fucking love to one day interview her about this because it's not proven yet and so like it's like well if there's a chance let's avoid it in the same way that they thought for a while that talcum powder caused ovarian cancer it does not but it was like uh it might it might not just fucking don't use it it's not worth the risk and like that's kind of how I feel about parabens is as someone who had a female hormonal related disease endometriosis in which you have these rogue tissues in your body that create their own estrogen and release it and then you have high estrogen levels um I'm not looking to get my endocrines disrupted is what I'm saying because I've already suffered enough fucking disruption of my hormonal systems so parabens I don't want them in lube. I certainly don't want any parabens that close to my female organs. So uh, those are not great for the lube, for the lube, for the sex, for the sex, for your pussy hole. And I guess at this point is where I, uh, I get canceled for making this episode about heterosexual sex or at the very least vaginal sex. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because I don't have a lot of experience with anal sex. I don't. I've had it like maybe twice in my life um, before I got the correct diagnosis of endometriosis on my colon. I was told for over a decade that I had Crohn's disease and I constantly bled out of my ass and had anal fissures and it was a fucking problem and my asshole always hurt. So I didn't have, I just, anals, that was not a a center of pleasure that was a center of pain. I'm not super experienced with anal sex. And to be honest, it's just not part of my proclivities. I've, I, I dated someone who I liked a lot who wanted me to peg him and I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I don't think the booty hole is like my thing sexually. So I cannot pontificate that much on anal sex, except for the, to say that you need to use lube. Don't do that broke back shit where you're spitting in your palm and slapping it on there because... Spit is like the worst lube. It dries up. It's not lube. And that's that's the walk away with. Are we going to make t-shirts that say spit is not lube? And sometimes, you know, listen, sometimes to get it going, I'll like suck a little dick and get it moist and then I'll sit on it. I'll do that, you know, just to ease the entrance. But I got my own lube waiting, you know what I mean, inside. If I had nothing, spit ain't sufficient. It just isn't. So spit is not lube. And um, have a happy hump day. Bye.